0: by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same
1: Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth in North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network, Catholic Radio for Your Soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is The Good News Show.
0: And good afternoon and welcome to this live edition of The Good News Show here on KTH 910 AM, Guadalupe Radio Network. Glad you're with us. My name is Dave Palmer, Executive Director here at the station. And uh, we typically are off the day after our sure And so uh, I came in because I wanted to do the show. We had such great lineup of guests. And so I'm like, I can't miss this one. And thanks to Diane Xavier for uh, coming in also, uh, even though this is kind of a day off, but you wouldn't know it, Diane, working uh, hard today. Good to see you. How are you?
2: I'm good. Good to see you, too. You got some pink
0: glasses on. Are those new? Oh, no, they're old. Are they? Okay. So. Yeah, that's a nice look for you. <laughs> Thank of course, you. We're on radio, so nobody else can see them, <laughs> but uh, Diane's sporting some uh, new pink glasses. And I'll tell you what, like I mentioned, great program today. Second half of the show, uh, we are welcoming back to the studio Father Marcus Malik. Uh, He is with the Dallas-Fort Worth Melkite Catholic Outreach, and it's very interesting because there are a lot of uh, different, uh, what's what's the word, um, uh, not orders, dif- different types. One of the seminarians can help me out here. Uh, Rights. Rites, there you go, thank you. I knew the seminarians would know this. He yeah, had a lot of different rites, and this is an Eastern rite, fully Catholic, but an Eastern rite, and he has started a community here in North Texas, uh, which uh, I presume is growing, and they are uh, celebrating uh, the sacraments over uh at St Basil the Great Church in Irving and uh what who are the Melkites uh, what is the significance and what inspired him uh to begin uh this outreach in the Dallas Fort Worth area all those questions will be answered in the second half of the program today so we welcome back uh Father Marcus Malik uh to in in studio here first half of the show as i've kind of alluded to we have uh, three seminarians from Holy Trinity Seminary and uh, delighted uh, that they are with us and uh, they are Wesley Castaneda, John Cavana and Joseph Font and Joseph's a senior at Holy Trinity Seminary and Wesley and John are both uh, pre theology too, and what does that mean and where are they from you know every every person has an interesting story but i'm always fascinated about the uh, the seminarians and how god kind of led them into um uh, you know being inspired to to join seminary and what seminary life is like and also, we are going to talk about the Spas Gregus event, which is a fundraiser for the seminary coming up on October 29th. And, uh, I want to thank Sylvia Nehera. Uh, Director of Advancement over there, she's the one that uh, arranged this and sent them over. They recorded some spots. You're going to hear their voice on the radio uh, between now and that event as well. So it's called Answer the Call 2021, the 18th Annual Spas Gregus Holy Trinity Seminary Benefit, uh, and three of them are in here to talk about themselves, their call, their life at the seminary, and also to promote and invite you to uh, attend this, either virtually or in person on Friday October 29th. Before that a few things uh, we want to talk about uh, Diane and I. Diane we had a big fundraiser last week and it, it really went well, didn't it?
2: Yes, we exceeded expectations yeah. and that was awesome because we had an amazing summer locally here yeah. with the summer speaker series and we were kind of worried how's that going to affect us in the fall? Yeah. Yeah. And, it but was- it you know our our donors came through and they love Catholic Radio so we're very happy um and thankful yeah. for their support.
0: Yeah, Len always puts together the numbers as far as you know how many calls came from every market. But just kind of being going through that and being on the air for four hours a day, I, I think there was a lot of support from North Texas. So if you did call in and you donated or you prayed or promoted the 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 fall thon last week, thank you very much. It was a success. We're going to have Catholic Radio for at least three more months, <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, who knows? But uh, we'll have our Christmas Share-a-thon. I love the Christmas Share-a-thon. It's always the first week of December. And, or, you know, a few weeks before Christmas, and it's just awesome. But until then, just enjoy the programming, and God bless you. Thanks for your support. Uh, a couple other things to talk about uh, before we get to our seminarians. Uh, upcoming live remote broadcasts. Of course, it's fall, and uh, officially fall begins on Wednesday, I think. Yeah, the the, uh, the September 22nd. So we're two days away from officially fall starting. But the fall festivals are in full swing. This Saturday, St. Martin of Tours Parish in Forney. We're going to be there from 10 to noon. Uh, so thanks for the invitation to go out there. Next Saturday, October 2nd, Mary Immaculate Parish. The time has not been determined yet. Uh, and, I mean, for the festival, it's been determined as far as when we're going to be broadcasting. I don't know yet, but we'll be out there at some point during that Saturday. Then St. Catherine of Siena from 9 to 11 a.m. on October 9th. And uh, we're also going to be at St. Joseph Parish in uh, uh Richardson on October 16th, 17th? Yes. <laughs>
2: and I know that the State Fair of Texas is also going on. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. But I would... Go to your parish and support them. Cause at the state fair, it gets overcrowded. Yeah. And you, and you, and you, and it's just long wait times
0: mm-hmm. to get
2: food, to do rides and all that and stuff. And they,
0: they fry more things at the state fair <laughs> yes. though. They'll fry anything, you know, <laughs> fried beer, fried butter, fried. You know, whatever. I mean, you can fry pretty much everything. But I do like the state fair. But, of course, the money for the state fair goes to the state of Texas, which is a good cause. But these festivals, it goes to the church. It goes to the parish. And it goes to good things going on. And so, you know, you can you don't have to do one or the other. You can do both. But definitely get out to these festivals and support them. Last thing I want to say is that next Friday, October 1st, is our 15th anniversary of Catholic Radio here in North Texas, English and Spanish. And we're going to have a special show that day uh, Friday, October 1st. I think it's going to be from 1 to 3 p.m., and we want testimonies. We want people to call in and talk about what Catholic Radio has meant to you over the last uh, 15 years. Maybe you tuned in the first day, you know, October 1st, the feast day of uh, uh, St. Therese of Le Sue, and uh, hard to believe, Diane, you've been around for most of it, at least uh, 10, yeah, 10 11 years. I joined
2: in January 2009.
0: Yeah, so you came uh pretty quickly. It was just a, a few years uh, after we started. But we want to hear from you. There's going to be incentive. We're going to have giveaways. I hope that we have some, uh, also a few canned interviews that we can do uh, to talk about the impact the Catholic Radio has had. So that'll be next Friday, October 1st. I think 1 to 3, it'll be live with some uh, recorded elements. But uh, if Catholic Radio has meant a lot to you and you want to come on with us, uh we'll be asking for phone calls and taking them live on the air and anybody who calls in is going to be put into a drawing for to win a really cool prize so uh more on that just be listening and we'll have uh, details on that. Okay, no further ado. Let's get right to our seminarians who uh I I always enjoy when seminarians come and visit cuz uh, you know spes gregus means hope of the flock. Oh, is that right? Yeah, Hope of the Flock. Yeah. And these are these are just good young men uh, who have answered the call, and that's the name of the Spes Gregus theme uh, for October 29th and their big uh, fundraiser, which we want everybody to go to. You can go to HolyTrinitySeminary.org and find out about that event, Life at the Seminary. You can see profiles of most of the seminarians there as well. All right, in studio, as I mentioned, uh, Wesley Castaneda, uh, John Cavana and Joseph font They're all seminarians from uh, and for the Dallas Diocese. And uh, Wesley is pre-theology, too. John is also, and Joseph is a senior. Uh, Wesley is from Greenville, Texas. Uh, John Cavana from St. Anne's and Capel. And used to be a intern here at our, at our, our studio. And Joseph, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Yes, that must be, there must be a story there. So welcome to all of you and thanks so much for being here.
3: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you very much. Pleasure being here.
0: Let me, uh, we're going to definitely talk about this October 29th event and we're going to spend the second half of our time talking about that and why everybody should participate and help, you know, support the seminary. I want to just a little bit about each of you and let me just kind of go in order. Wesley, uh, second year pre theology. You went to UNT. Yes, Go mean <laughs> Tent- green. <laughs> you got you got a big uh, green shirt on, and I i think it's a funny story. So yeah, you, you had a, a good experience at UNT, and uh, why mm. are you such a big promoter of the mean? Are they still called the Mean Green? Yes, they are. Okay, all mm-hmm. right. So tell us about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe how how God inspired you to answer the call mm-hmm. and join seminary. Anything else we might want to know about <laughs> uh, Wesley Castaneda?
3: Okay, well uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here. Um, you said that on Friday is the fifteenth anniversary of your uh, radio yeah, station. Yeah, yeah, next Friday. Yes, next Friday. Yeah, yeah. that's that's uh, that's wonderful because it'll be the twenty fifth anniversary of or of my birth. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> so October
0: first. Yes. Oh, uh-huh. is that right?
3: Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, feast day of uh, Saint Charles of the Yes, awesome. yes, exactly. So uh, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful day. Yeah, um, just Saint Charles of the October yeah. So 4th, you were ten
0: when when Catholic radio started here
3: in North yeah. Texas. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, yeah. Um, UNT, I loved my time at UNT, a uh, great university, and they have a really good Catholic center. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, St. Saint Saint John Paul II, run by Father, uh, I think Father Kyle is a pastor. Yeah, Walterside, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, uh, let's see, so I'm a pre too. Yeah. Uh, I'm also a little bit nervous right now.
0: No, that's all right. Um all still- right. So, so tell me about college life. And I think you had kind of said, and I think it's encouraging for, for people who have young, you know, you, they, we sometimes think every seminarian is just, you know, from the time they come out of the womb, just fired up about the Catholic faith. And uh, of course, you know, was there a little bit of a reversion story on mm-hmm. your part or, or what, what about the kind of how your, your, your spiritual journey has been the last, you know, five or six years or so?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was a little bit of a, um, I did have a reversion. Um, mm-hmm for most of my life really it was I was mostly cr- culturally Catholic. Yeah. Uh and kind of lukewarm in my faith. Yeah. Um and whenever I entered college, I was like, okay, you know, new beginnings. I, I want to, you know, uh just find out more about, about life, you know, what is truth, what is God, who is yeah. God. Yeah. Um and there was this focused missionary on campus. Uh several of them, I think three or four of them, that would always invite me to the Catholic Center. Um and I would go uh Sometimes admittedly and regrettably, uh, reluctantly. <laughs> but, but you um, went. Uh, yes, yeah, that's but, important I, but I went. Yeah, uh, right. and they, they were lovely people and they, they helped me, you know, uh, they helped me return to the faith, especially after I graduated college. The summer immediately after mm-hmm. I went to, um, a mission trip with them to mm. Yucatan, Mexico. Um, and there, uh, I, uh, I was like okay uh lord well i'm here they say missions change life mm-hmm. lives then change mine um and i asked him um to specifically help me in in knowing that he was truly present or he is truly present in the eucharist right yeah, yeah. i said this is uh um the center of our faith if I, I i know that the church teaches you're truly present but i it's hard for me to accept it help mm-hmm. my unbelief yeah and uh if I, if, if I can see you, then I see no reason in staying in, in the church. You know, I, yeah. I challenged him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he, uh, he helped me. He helped me see through, through, um, my experience in the mission, uh, to, to see that he's truly present there. Going to mass every day, praying every single day, morning prayer, night prayer, um, and having exposition of the Eucharist, uh, really helped me, uh, Changed my heart. It really helped me fall in love with him. Mm-hmm. And then what about uh, you know because that 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 that's great and that could be a lot of people's
0: story and God, and please God it is. But then to say I want to go to seminary. Well, mm-hmm. how well, how did that happen? How did God place that in your heart?
3: Yeah, so it was after um, leaving the mission trip. Right, I I went and interned with FEMA for a little bit, um, and it was a complete 180. And just uh, in the summer, you know, on the mission trip full of, um, very spiritually, uh, fruitful, a lot of, uh, prayer. But then, um, I left on this high, right? And entered the, uh, um, a, a more secular world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kept on falling back into the same sins that I had always committed. Right. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm tired of these same stupid yeah, sins, right, right. but in, in that, uh, in that, I, I would always seek reconciliation as quickly as possible, right? And just begging the Lord uh, for forgiveness. And kind of that process helped me um, see the beauty of the priesthood, the beauty of being able to reconcile one with God. Yeah. Um, so I came back to uh, back to Texas, back to Greenville, and then I found uh, Father Edwin there, um, the former vocations director. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, vocations director. Yeah. Uh, he, he was at Saint William the Confessor, my home parish in Greenville. Uh, so I I talked to him. We spoke, and he he helped me and guided me uh, in my discernment process.
0: Yeah, we had uh, an interview with him out at the Saint Ann Carnival a couple of mm-hmm. uh, Fridays ago. So praise God, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's just. You, you know, and I know you had told me before we went on that you had, you read some uh, Saint Augustine, and uh, you know the Saint Augustine's a gr- great proof that uh, mm-hmm. e- even doctors of the church and and brilliant brilliant people like Saint Augustine, uh, there were conversions, there was uh, a need for you know God's mercy poured upon him. So awesome stories. So thank thank you so much, uh, Wesley Castaneda, uh, pre theology two uh, seminarian at Holy Trinity Seminary, and I want to uh, turn now to John Cavana, because kind of led right into you talking about uh, Father Edmund Leonard, who's now the pastor at St. Anne's, and uh, John comes from a family, as I mentioned, of, um, oh, oh, you've been, you homeschooled, right? And then mm-hmm. went into, graduated from UD, and then right. into seminary. So, tell us a little bit about your story, and uh, what inspired you to, uh, you know, uh, pick up the phone, I guess, one day and call the vocations director, or how, how did it go? So, tell us about yourself.
4: Yeah, sure thing. It was definitely starting with my family, yeah. that they kept me very close to the faith right at the beginning. And that was very, very important for me. I think if I hadn't had, especially my mom, praying the rosary with us each morning before we started school, I don't see how I would have ended up where I am today. Yeah. Um, Definitely the first time that I I experienced the call to the priesthood was while I was praying the rosary Mm. very early on in high school. But there was a lot to think about in high school and approaching graduation as well. It just didn't seem like the right time for me to enter seminary. And I had a lot of questions and a lot of doubts and wasn't sure if it was an authentic call or something I might have been making it myself. So I decided to go to the University of Dallas where the Catholic roots there really helped root me in my faith. And through that, I kind of kept going along with the classes. I majored in history and I really enjoyed those classes, but it never seemed to lead to something that I thought, this is what I was made for, and then, toward the end of my senior year, I just found the call to the priesthood resurface mm-hmm. almost randomly, and I thought this this could be this could be what God made me for yeah was there you know
0: Wesley was talking about Father Edwin Leonard and his influence and talking to him out in Greenville? Was there a priest that you you know could confide in or talk about your interest in the priesthood, or anybody any mentors that uh, uh, that were able to guide you into the, through the process?
4: Yeah, yeah, definitely. There was a priest named Father Michael Fagan who really helped me and just guided me along to listen to God's call and to be honest, to Uh really engage my heart instead of just kind of thinking, maybe I owe this to God or maybe um, any, any other kind of distracting thing, but just to listen to my heart and what I, what I desired and to be open with God in that way, mm-hmm. that really helped me, his mentorship.
0: Yeah. And just to, to clarify, both you and Wesley, pre-theology too, that means that uh, in both your cases, you had the four-year college experience, UD and UNT, <laughs> go Mean Green, uh, and then you went into seminary, whereas with uh, Joseph, Joseph has a different story because uh, first of all, he's from Colorado, which is a little different, and also decided on uh, or discerned seminary right out of high school. Is that right, Joseph?
5: Uh Yeah, almost right out of high school. I did one year of college first. Uh, oh, that's right. And then I discerned in. So,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. So tell us about that, because you, you 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 make a decision going to college. Yes. And then that first year, something clicks or, you know, uh, yeah. t- tell us how that happened that you said, I don't think this is for me. I'm, I'm going to Irving, Texas for seminary. Well, what was that decision and yeah. the process?
5: Um, it, it was actually quite interesting. My uh, senior year of high school, I was so on fire for the faith. I felt this desire to be a priest and I felt like, you know, God, I want to give you my life. I'm ready to give it now. And I was so eager to do it, like right out of high school. And, um, you know, God, I think, kind of answered me in that time. He was like, okay, now you got to have patience a little bit. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And, you know, my senior year of high school, I was traveling all around the country. I visited, you know, the priest of the Sacred Heart in Milwaukee. I visited the Fathers of Mercy in Kentucky. I was trying to find kind of like a place to rest my heart. And yeah, yeah. I, I could just never do that, you know, and it created a lot of turmoil because I felt the call to the priesthood, but I never felt where I was called to, you yeah, know? yeah. Um, And so it was interesting. So I was like, well, you know, I don't really know where to go now, but I think I'll, you know, do one year of college and then see where I'm at, you right, know. And right. so I entered the University of Colorado Springs and... Uh, I started as a business major, and uh, it was kind of interesting. I still, n- I never lost that desire to be a priest, and uh, my, one day I was w- on a walk, actually, and my neighbor, uh, a wonderful woman, her name is Teresa McCormick, she was walking her dog, and I started talking with her, and she, she was asking me about my parents, and my parents had recently moved down to Texas, and she told me, she said, hey, you know, my brother is bishop down there. <laughs> and I was like, hey, really? And she was like, yeah, um, Bishop Gregory Kelly. And I had known this woman all my life. You know, I she had uh been at the Catholic school that I had been at. Um she had known me since I was like a little guy, and like that just really it sparked something in me. Yeah. And I thought, wow, you know, like um that's crazy. And so when I visited my parents uh for Christmas, I decided I was like, you know, I wanna I wanna I feel like this is a sign from the Lord. So I met with the vocations director, uh, Father Edwin, and I and I said, I I'm really eager to be a priest, and everything worked out. So oh, that is so me. interesting, so. Uh,
0: Bishop Bishop Kelly's sister. Uh, yes. it, it was the one that, uh, and also, your, of course, your parents moving here was yes. a big catalyst as well. Yes, well, praise God. So here you are, and you're uh, you're younger, and so are most of the seminarians. More, uh, I, I guess, would you say are there a lot that. Come right out of high school or in your case, you know, one year of college and then come? Or is that more the norm or is it more the norm what uh, John and Wesley have done? would you
6: uh,
5: say? Yeah, I think it kind of shifts uh, year by year. Sometimes there's more pre-theologians and then uh, sometimes there's more college guys. Uh, usually, like, if you think about it, like Holy Trinity Seminary is mainly for, like, college-aged men. And yeah. so, uh, really the aim of the seminary is to to be present for men entering right out of high school and, yeah. so, and to prepare them.
0: Yeah. We are talking to three seminarians from Holy Trinity Seminary, and we're going to, I promise, talk about this 18th Annual Spes uh benefit coming up uh, Friday, October 29th, and Answer the call 2021, 6 o'clock in-person uh, dinner, and then a 7 p.m. live stream option is going to be at the Cardinal Farrell Student Center at the seminary. And I want to, real quickly, and I'll need to get kind of a relatively short answer on this one, just go straight, straight in that same order and just ask you, because I'm curious, what is it about being a priest that most inspires you? Like, what, uh, as a priest, uh, you know, like... I, uh, this is what would be so cool well, what would, uh, and, and uh, you guys can go in any order once you're ready Anybody, uh, Wesley what 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 is it about being a priest that really uh, excites you uh, reconciliation yeah mm-hmm.
3: yeah to, to be able to uh, uh, hear someone's confession mm-hmm. and uh, well, yeah. well, well not, not so much hear someone's confession yeah. but help them return to God oh, right? okay mm-hmm. okay lead them to holiness
0: yeah, yeah. Because I, I know. You know. Last week I was in in Midland, and I just had a great. And I know you're not talking specifically about the the sacrament of reconciliation, but I. I just wanted to go to confession, and and thanks be to God, there was a local parish and a young priest. I think it only been and just I I was so grateful just to, for the to to have a priest that was able to hear my confession in the middle of the day, and I I just I felt like a new renewal. Of that mm-hmm. all right, Um John, what about you? What what is it about being a priest that uh, excites? May not be the best word, but interests you the most.
4: Yeah, I think the one part that's really jumping out to me right now is the thought of of being a father. in in a spiritual way. And Mm -hmm. I mean, the thought of being a father just naturally is on pretty much every man's heart, but then to possibly be the instrument God uses to bring his children to him. I think that's what most excites me. Yeah. Joseph, how about you? Uh, I think for me, probably the joy. I
5: think the joy of giving your heart to to God and giving your heart to the church. I mean, I think the most joyful people I've ever met are are religious um, clergy, just because they have such a kind of a wellspring of, of faith and love. I went to Mass, uh, we went camping over the weekend, so
0: we went to a late Mass yesterday, and uh, Father B, he's an Indian priest from St. Michael's in Bedford. And uh, just such a man of joy. And, you know, after the Mass, as people are walking out, he's waving and saying hi. And that kind of joy that you're talking about just emanates from him. And it's so inspiring because joyful people are very attractive Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we all really want to be joyful. All right, let's talk about the event. And uh, you guys just uh, jump in. Let's have a conversation about this. The 18th Annual Spes Gregus holy trinity seminary benefit uh answer the call 2021 it's gonna be friday october 29th so still uh, more than a month away Uh, John, tell us uh, what's in store. What do you know as far as what the event is going to hold? It's a little different this year because it's kind of a hybrid—some in person, some live stream—or what? What's tell us more about the event or what you know about it?
4: Yeah, so there's options for a limited in-person seating on the event, which you can find at at the website. Yeah, and we have we have that dinner planned, and then kind of. And along with the live stream, this part will cover that as well, we'll have more of an explanation of what happens at seminary, what does it support, and what does it mean to to work in formation and in priestly, in priestly ministry.
0: Mm-hmm. It's at the Student Center, the, the, the Cardinal Farrell Student Center, and I, I, that's relatively new, and I think that's where you guys are able to socialize and hang out, and I don't know, play ping pong, or whatever's <laughs> yes. there. Tell us about that, because that's a relative, I think within the last five years that's been built. Uh, does that hold a lot of people, or what's, what's the capacity, do you know?
5: Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful building. It was just built about, uh, two, three years ago, and, um, it was wonderful because we had so many great donors over the past who were, who contributed to the building of that and it is uh it's the Cardinal Farrell Center it is uh a gym a large gym and it also has like a kitchen for us to cook and it also has like some TV rooms for us to watch together um different programs and also like a workout center uh, and so it's a, it's a fabulous, it's a fabulous location. So,
0: yeah. And uh, do you know, Wesley, what the funds go towards? Is it for scholarships or upkeep or paying electricity bills? Or, I mean, what to all
3: the above, what are, um, uh, what, what are the, what why are the, why is it so necessary for people to support the seminary? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, uh, for the formation program, it's, um, it's a seminary's prime, primary, uh, annual giving campaign. Uh, yeah. So it goes to, um, uh, helping uh, for uh, um, uh, the, the needs of the seminary, right?
0: Yeah, right, because, mm-hmm. yeah, right. I mean, educating somebody and uh, housing them. Yeah. I know there was a, a big, uh, I guess, a fundraising effort lately, lately where the, the different rooms where the mm-hmm. seminarians live, yeah. and we actually sponsored one. We have the, the Our Lady of Guadalupe room, named after our late operations director, Doug Pearson, and so, does each of the room have like a saint's name? Is that how it works? Or because uh, I know they had to cancel that event where all the the, the sponsors were going to come. But uh, yeah, yeah, that. that but that, that's kind of a new thing. So a lot of new stuff going on over there. Uh So tickets are still on sale. Do you have any idea what it costs um for either the live stream or the in person? Do, do you know that information, John? Yeah,
4: the the in person is it's on the website to find the precise pricing, and that yeah. gives you a certain number of seats: two, four, six, or eight. Um Yeah. But then it, it does go to support things like the, the room renovations, which were crucial. And then there are also just a lot of activities that we seminarians participate in that simply wouldn't be possible if the seminary didn't receive this funding. Like um, Joseph and I went on a hiking trip that was 10 days with some missionaries. That was oh, was that absolutely sounds like awesome. fun. Yeah. yeah, and it was just such a generous gift because we had the support. Yeah. Talk about a little bit about the formation. Yeah, Diane?
2: Yes, um... I know part of your formation is different uh visiting different communities like countries outside the US and when you visit these I know you see with the mass media biased version but when you actually visit you know so unfortunately sometimes these communities where resources are not as available as it is here um how does that change your perspective of life and your vocation
5: Anybody? Um I would just say like we're so blessed in the United States to be so supported as seminarians I know that there's a lot of countries in the world where um it like they kind of have to pay their own way a lot of the time like mm-hmm. a lot of seminarians have to kind of raise their own funds to even be in the seminary because there's not like that uh that abundance yeah. Uh, to support their education. And so I would just say, like, when I think about, um, our situation versus other areas of, of the world, like, I, I just feel so blessed that we in the United States, like, we, uh, we're so supported because I can't imagine, you know, having to, you know, kind of pay for the formation or kind of having oh, yeah. to, uh, to raise the funds to do it because it is, it is a lot of money, you know.
0: Right, right. And, uh, again, the, the event is Friday, October 29th, 6 p.m. in person, 7 p.m. live stream, Cardinal Farrell Student Center at the seminary, honorary chairs, Audrey and Dan, Tinker, I don't know that I've met them yet, but thanks to them for their uh, their role in in helping to to be sponsors, uh, the chairs of the, this event, uh, HolyTrinitySeminary.org dot org is the website, and you can get all the uh, cost and things like that. Uh, Wesley Castaneda, John Cavan, and Joseph Font have about uh, three more minutes uh, with mm-hmm. you and talk uh, just uh, about this formation. You know, there's you're being really trying to be formed into well rounded. Yeah yeah you know men so that you can take the very challenging role of uh, running parishes uh in, you know one day god willing if you become ordained but uh what is it about the formation process so far that stands out or what has the the formation of Holy Trinity um you know what what, what has stood out to you John
4: Yeah I think I mean you know this idea from St Thomas Dave, that grace builds on nature and yeah. that's kind of the key element at HTS that I see that they try to perfect us as much as possible as human beings yeah. so that we have that rooted human nature and then they can build on that when we actually, God willing, receive the graces of a priest. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, Joseph, anything else? Uh, yeah, I
5: would just say, I think it, at the seminary, you really learn that how critical it is to just have that human formation, to be kind of well-rounded and just to be formed in that image of kind of being a beloved son of Christ, you know, because it, it's within that image that we kind of gain strength to be able to to pursue a life in this vocation.
0: Yeah. I
5: want to just close out. Uh Any of you can jump in and, you know,
0: somewhere there's you know, a, a young man listening right now, or maybe the uh, mother or father of a young man who thinks that maybe their son has maybe the, the 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 vocation, and it's one thing for me to say, hey, you ought to, you know, try a seminary, but you guys actually did it. This is something that you answered the call, so what would you say to that that uh, person out there who's thinking, ah, gosh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe God's calling me. I'm not really sure because I don't know. You know, you're not going to see writing in the sky or a, or an audible voice <laughs> most of the time. But, uh, Wesley, what would you say to a young person who's, you know, thinking that maybe God's calling them to, to at mm-hmm. least, or, or a young lady for religious
3: life? What mm-hmm. would you say? Yeah, just, uh, call the vocations director. Uh, he will really guide you. He will really help you. Just because I was on that same, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, situation. I was like, oh, I'm not too sure. Uh, But the vocations director really helped me.
0: Yeah, and how many years, if God willing, this is going to be your ultimate call, you guys, uh, it was how many? How many more years until you would be ordained? Is the ordained, ord- ordination date already kind of etched in your mind, or when would it be?
4: It would be twenty twenty-seven. Yeah, mm-hmm. six more years. Okay, and y'all would be in the same class, you two, right? Yes, and then three. Yeah. I would also be in the same oh, class. Oh, same class.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, gosh, that, that's twenty twenty-seven. That's not too far away. Huh? <laughs> six, six years or so. It's nothing. All right. Well, thanks to uh, each of you for coming out here. Uh, and again, we want to encourage you to support. And also, if you do go in person, you get to meet. these uh, seminarians, most people don't get a chance to, to, you know, see you and to be with you and chat with you a little bit more. Uh, but we do appreciate you coming in. Wesley Castaneda, John Cavana, Joseph Font, uh, seminarians at Holy Trinity Seminary. Again, thanks to Sylvia Nehera for, uh, lining all this up. Father Swift, the chaplain over there, and all the staff and everybody who's, uh, part of the, the formation process of these young men. So thank you so much for being here. And, uh, can we'll continue to pray for your formation thank and you. pl- pray for us too, okay? We will. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Dave. Uh, yeah. Thanks. So much. Holy Trinity Seminary.org is the website. Please prayerfully consider going to the uh, 18th Annual Spes uh, Holy Trinity Benefit. Answer the call 2021 Friday, October 29th, 6 p.m. in person and 7 p.m. live stream. And uh, early happy birthday to you for next <laughs> Friday, you. okay? To your 25th birthday. All right, quick break. And as I mentioned, uh, Father Marcus Malik with the Fort Worth Melkite Catholic. Outreach is going to join us in studio. We'll be have a about a three minute break and we'll be right back with Father Malik after this. 40 Days for Life in the Diocese of Fort Worth has gone year-round. They're introducing 40 Days for Life 365 with the hopes of building a 365-day presence on the sidewalk of both locations where babies are being killed through abortion in Fort Worth at Planned Parenthood and the Whole Women's Health Center of Fort Worth. Stay tuned for information about kickoff rallies at both locations, and you can sign up to pray at ProLifeFortWorth.com. That's ProLifeFortWorth.com.
4: Hello, my name is Esther Fernandez, a new sponsor at KATH 19AM and a realtor with JPN Associates. I'm a parishioner at Holy Spirit Parish in Duncanville and a longtime supporter and volunteer with the Guadalupe Radio Network. Are you ready to buy or sell your home? If so, you can reach me at 214-845-1753. That's 214-845-1753. Or by email at estherzfernandez at gmail.com. That's E S T H E R Z Fernandez at gmail.com. The 21st
7: Annual Catholic Prologue Life Community Golf Classic, benefiting life-saving, life-changing ministries takes place on Monday, September 13th at Brookhaven Country Club. The event includes lunch, a buffet dinner, and green fees. Team prizes and individual comets of skill for hole-in-one is also included. The event begins at 11 a.m. with registration and opening prayer at 12.30 p.m. To register and learn more about sponsorship opportunities, visit prolifedallas.org. Make plans now for the St. Nicholas Christmas Show. December 4th through 5th at the Hilton Anatole in Dallas. The St. Nicholas Christmas Show delights all ages with the true joy of Christmas. Learn more at stnicholaschristmasshow.com. Enjoy live music by Dave and Lauren Moore. Be inspired by Dr. Scott Hahn and Chris Stefanik. Experience prayer, entertainment, shopping, and activities that truly honor Jesus. Parents and grandparents, gather the children and affirm your faith, strengthen your family, and make great memories. Tickets are available now at stnicholaschristmasshow.com.
0: The Red Mass Committee of the Diocese of Fort Worth invites all attorneys, judges, public officials, and their families and staff to attend the Red Mass on Thursday, September 23rd at 6 p.m. at St. Patrick Cathedral in downtown Fort Worth. This year's guest homilist and reception speaker is the
3: Most Reverend Salvatore Matano, Bishop of the Catholic Archdiocese of Rochester, New York. A reception and guest lecture will immediately follow Mass at the St. Patrick Parish Center. There is no cost to
0: attend, but donations are encouraged. All right, we are back. This is the Good News Show. It's 34 minutes after the hour on this uh, beautiful September 20th, 2021. I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, so much was going on. Today is the memorial of saints Andrew Kim Taegan Priest and Paul Chong Hasang and their companions, all martyrs, I think from Korea, I believe. I think they were martyrs, uh, Korean martyrs. Uh, all right, uh, I'm excited to welcome back in studio Father Marcus Malik, uh, who is uh, the founder and head of the F- Dallas Fort Worth Melkite Catholic Outreach. If you go to Melkite Catholic DFW dot org, you can learn more about their community, uh, M-E-L-K-I-T-E, MelkiteCatholicDFW.org. Father Marcus Malik, welcome back. How are you? Doing
6: well, thanks be to God. Thank you for having me back, David.
0: Yeah, how long has it been since we did the first interview? About one year ago. Oh, has it? Okay. One year ago. And let's just start from, uh, on the assumption that uh, many people listening have no knowledge of the Melkite, you know, uh, history or um, the community here, much less in in, in North Texas. So, wh- what, is, what is a Melkite Catholic? Let's start with that.
6: The Melkite Catholics is one of the larger group of Christians in the Middle East, and they belong to what we call the Church of Antioch, which is the really the first of all the, all the churches. It mm-hmm. comes out of Jerusalem, but there's a little town, there was a city called Antioch. So, Basically, most of the Christians in Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, parts of uh, Egypt, Sudan, uh, Israel, Palestine, those Christians, most of those Christians will belong actually to what we call the Melkite Church. Okay.
0: So, the the history goes way back, All e- back even the further back than the Roman Church, would that be accurate to say?
6: Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, because, I mean, our founders were the apostles themselves. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, and of course, eventually it gets to Rome. So, of course, Rome's very early. Uh, Alexandria is very early. Yeah. Alexandria's uh, from St. Mark, who was a disciple of Peter. And, of course, we say, uh, and we find that the faith was already in Rome. We don't know quite who brought it there. <coughs> but uh, before Ro- before Peter went to Rome, where he died, he was actually in Antioch first. Mm, okay. So... All right,
0: so uh, very interesting. Now I, I know you you're Lebanese and Lebanese heritage, uh, you, you grew, yes. grew up in the Fort Worth area. Yeah, uh, I've, I've known I know several members of your your family, and uh, I was just talking to three seminarians and asking them about their you know how God called them. To tell us about this. I know we talked about this the last time you were in, but. Answering the call to, you know, going to seminary and be a priest, but in particular, this, you know, why, why this particular rite or the the Melkite rite was of interest to you?
6: I didn't know much about the Melkite Church. I didn't know anything about the Melkite Church growing up, <clears throat> and uh, I used to think I was Maronite. Okay, because usually when people hear Lebanese. Even pre, the Maronite priests will do this. When they hear that you're Lebanese, they automatically assume you're Maronite. But it's not true. It's not true. It's ba- basically where your family comes from in Lebanon. So growing up, I did not hear anything about the Melkite church. I did hear about the Maronite church. And uh, it was only really in the in the 90s when I was actually living in Rome at the time. And I happened to go to St. Cosmas and Damien in Rome, mm-hmm. which is the Melkite church in Rome. And uh, I was praying, and he old priest came up to me and he said uh he noticed me and he started talking to me and we got to talking about where my family come from which was lebanon and then he heard my name and he says well you're a melkite and he's an eastern canon lawyer i said oh no no father i'm i'm maronite apparently mm-hmm. and, and uh i've grown up a latin church he said oh no you're melkite i said what do you mean <laughs> and he said uh he said well you never lose your church of origin Meaning wherever your family came from, mm-hmm. that's you, you so he was saying you're you are Melkite, and I know you're Melkite based on your family name. And I know where your family came from in Lebanon, which was mostly Zachli, and the southern part regions of Lebanon, and they're all Orthodox or Melkite. So that was the first time the seed was planted in my head. And then I go on and get ordained in the Latin Church. However, before I was ordained a deacon, Archbishop Chaput, I was I'm a, canonically <coughs> a priest of Denver. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the Latin side of things, Uh, before I was ordained, he came to me and he said, you know, you're Melkite." I said, "Mm -hmm." I "I think (laughs) I have to get permission to get you ordained in the Latin church. I said, really? I didn't know anything about that. So sure enough, a letter came back from the congregation of the Oriental churches saying that I have permission to get ordained in the Latin church. However, I am a Melkite priest. Hmm. So on the day of my ordination, I was automatically a bi-ritual priest.
0: Now you're a Melkite priest on the basis of just your,
6: your your church of origin. So I I belong to the Melkite eparchy. You okay. never even lose though that. you didn't know that. And your parents and your parents apparently didn't know it either, right? And I didn't know how to even celebrate the liturgy. <laughs> and and we're talking about three generations uh-huh. of of my family who are living in the United States have been baptized in a Latin church. Even though we've been baptized in Latin churches Unless you make a formal proclamation that you no longer, you renounce your right and you move over to the Latin mm-hmm. right another another, you are a, you belong to your church of origin.
0: So how did your parents and siblings take this news when, you know, this was news to them as well? What did they say?
6: Uh, they were like like deer in the headlights. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody understood any of this. Yeah,
0: interesting. interesting. I don't think
6: people, st- even family members still don't understand it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, how does this connect? Because we have a Maronite Catholic Church in Louisville, Our Lady of Lebanon, Father Assad, and we got a great relationship with them. And how is your community related to them, if at all? Because it has similar uh, origins, right? But how, what's the difference?
6: So, we're both basically uh, siblings of the Antiochian Church. Okay. So, the Antiochian, so you have four major churches, although you have the fifth one, Constantinople, but it was the, it was the newest one. But of the original churches, um, you have Antioch and Rome and Alexandria, yes, Constantinople, and then eventually they made Jerusalem. So you have like these, these these, these are, like the fathers, right? These are like mm. the fathers. And you have all these descendants of them. Well, Maronites and Melkites are descendants of the Antiochian tradition, okay. but we celebrate things, but we have different customs that developed over time.
0: Mm-hmm. When you were here a year ago, I remember you had... Just started this community, and you might have had a few families that, uh, not necessarily Melkite, and I know you don't have to be Melkite to, to join your uh, community. Uh, well, how has it been the last year? Is it growing? Um, I know you've got, you know, uh, um, I guess the Divine Liturgy every Sunday. Is it two, um, 12 o'clock noon? Is that right? Yes,
6: since, since we last talked, a lot of great things have happened. When we first met a year, a year ago, this time we weren't even meeting for divine liturgy. I was meeting in some homes of people who were interested, and at the time, except for my family, no one was Melkite, mm-hmm. and uh, they, it was they were inquiring in sessions. And right around Halloween of last year, the past pastor of Saint Basil's mm-hmm. called me, and he said he was going to be downsizing his divine liturgy, liturgies on Sunday. And if the Melkites would like, we could begin to meet there for divine liturgy mm. at noon. So that was November fifteenth, which I would actually, dis- which I would actually, uh, state as probably our real foundation yeah. here in the Metroplex. So thereafter, uh, since November fifteenth, we've been meeting every November fifteenth, uh, every Sunday at twelve noon. And uh, those original inquirers, no one followed through. However. Uh, Except for my family. Mm-hmm. So we probably had three, four families, uh, on that, to- at that first divine liturgy. And now we've grown to 16 with three more families. In fact, a new fam- new Melchizedek family living in Addison has just discovered oh, us. They've really? come the last two Sundays. Uh, they're from Syria originally. And, uh, and now we also meet every Friday evening for Vespers and fellowship. And on the second and fourth Fridays, we have catechesis. And it's open to anyone, even people who just, what in the world do Eastern Catholics mm-hmm. believe? What do Melkites believe? In like fact, this Friday will be the fourth Friday of the month. So at 7 p.m., we have Vespers. Anybody can come just an experience a, a different way of praying to God. It's mm. Catholic. And then afterwards, we have fellowship, food, always food. Yeah. And... Uh, and we'll have a teaching this Friday.
0: Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Uh, Father Marcus Malik is my guest. Uh, he is the founder of the Dallas-Fort Worth Melkite Catholic Outreach. And as he mentioned, they have divine liturgy 12 o'clock every Sunday now over at St. Basil the Great. And, uh, Chris, Father Christopher Andrews, I don't know if that was who you're referring to. He was the past, uh, uh um, pastor there. Now he has moved on, but, um, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful, uh, parish uh, 1118 East Union Bower Road uh, Irving Texas 75061 I- I'm I'm a member of an ordinariate of the Church St Peter parish in Arlington and I know when people come to our parish a lot of times it's like whoa this is different the liturgy is different it's not the same as the Nova Sorda or, or certainly not the the Latin mass how, how, how would, what would somebody experience if they came would it be in english is there a different language or what what's the liturgy like at your at your
6: almost uh, all in english okay I mean, one thing about eastern catholics we've always been very conscious since the beginning of when you go into a a, a new country or a new a new people you try to learn their language and serve the liturgy in their language so it's mostly in english we do a little bit of arabic we do a little bit of greek but it's 95 98 in english and uh the, uh, and that's a, good, that's a good example. You have the ordinaria. Yeah. Some people have gone to that. So it's, it's of the same family, the Latin church. Mm-hmm. However, there's enough there that's different. You have your own bishops. You have your own customs. Same thing when you asked about the Maronites and the Melkites. We have our own bishops, and yeah. we have different ways of doing things.
0: I remember uh, doing an inter- I've done several interviews with- about the Maronites, and as I recall, they they basically have a division in the United States between East and West, and they've got I don't know if they call them bishops or, or patriarchs or what the names are. What is the organizational structure here in the United States with the Melkites?
6: We- we're same uh, the same format. We have, but because we're we're not as large as the Maronites, we have one. We call it eparchy. Eparchy yeah. is a Greek word for territory. It's diocese. We have one. Our bishop's um, uh, seat. His cathedral is in Newton, Massachusetts, which is a suburb of of Boston. And we have about, oh, close to 50 parishes all across the United States. Mm-hmm. And we do care for a shrine in Mexico. Okay. And um, the parish life,
0: uh, is it similar? Do you have, you know, the Knights of Columbus and the Bible studies and, you know, how—, how well, I know you mentioned the Friday events and then the Sunday divine liturgy. Are, are there other, you know, the, the, sacraments and, and opportunities for reconciliation and baptism and confirmation and that kind of, how, how, how common or similar is it to a regular parish?
6: So, yes, we have all of that. Yes. Okay. But all we, the above. We don't really have Knights of Columbus. That's more of a Latin thing. Yeah. All those, some, some of the longer established Melkite parishes in the country. I do think they associate or have a, but we all have, we have our own, we have our own men's groups. We have our own women's groups. Here in the DFW outreach, we don't have all that yet because we're so small. Mm-hmm. But, yes, we have youth groups. Uh, normally every two years, all the Melkites come together for an annual convention. Uh, every year, the clergy—in fact, I just got returned from San Antonio from our uh, annual—the clergy's annual convention. We have um, we have parish council. We have a finance council. We have servers, uh Oh, Bible, Bible says, I mean, what we do right now because we're small, I'm doing all the teachings mm-hmm. because we're, we're really doing the basics. Oh, but, but in time, absolutely. You, yeah. we have a, and our approach is a little different than the Western approach on how to read the scriptures uh, where we, uh, we follow more the line of people like St. John Chrysostom, mm-hmm. and it was called typology. So, but yeah, we have the, and we have catechesis. We have, this, we have seven sacraments. We call the sacraments mysteries. So we call, them, I give them a little different names. Like uh, we'll use the word sacrament of matrimony, or we call it the mystery of crowning. Mm. But yeah, same thing.
0: Yeah. When I think of Eastern, I think of reverence, and that's not to say that the West uh, Western Church is not reverent. It certainly is. Uh, but there's a lot of times that's what people think of. They think of the the liturgy, and sometimes there's I guess like the the veil, and there's different even visually there's different aspects of it. So talk talk about the the kind of the fundamental differences between an, an Eastern and a Western church, uh, you know, gen- generically speaking between those two. What 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 is the difference?
6: Yes, you're gonna yeah. The East the Eastern approach puts less emphasis, or sometimes it goes to the extreme of really rejecting, trying to intellectualize and rationalize and do too much of the discursive thought. Mm-hmm. And the Eastern Church puts more emphasis on contemplation and laying the mystery itself, re- letting the mystery re- reveal itself to you. Mm-hmm. And you can, and the bottom line is you can never know God. You can never see God. It's always through a veil. So if you walk into an Eastern Church, one way we convey that is the fact that you'll have this big iconostasis, Mm -hmm. Which is from a remnant of um, of the old days of the Jewish temple with the with the big veil that blocked the Holy of Holies. The point is you don't see directly into the Holy of Holies. We use a lot of incense. Part of it is uh, taking from the Book of Revelation, how the prayers of how the you had these golden bowls of incense rising to heaven. Uh, They were in heaven, signs of the people's prayers rising to heaven. But also smoke to cloud your view. You're going to hear a lot of chanting. You're going to see a lot of icons. And the whole thing is, again, it's not about what you understand. So the idea, uh, the Western church got very used to bringing a missile to church and, and having missiles in your pew, and you got to read it all, and you're following it all. And the Eastern church says, no, you come in, let your mind go, and let everything go, and let your senses, as we would say, be attacked. Mm-hmm. By all the signs and, and smells and, 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 and things you see. And God will speak to you through mm-hmm.
0: that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned about not being overly, I, I think you said intellectual yep. or, you know, when I think of the Western Church and I'm, I'm a big fan of St. Thomas Aquinas and I teach the Summa to high school kids. So certainly not denigrating that. I think of Aquinas. I think of Augustine and you mentioned Chrysostom. Who are some of the saints other than Chrysostom, and maybe is Damascene, or, or what, who, who would be the, the, the more prominent Eastern, or perhaps even doctors of the church that people may be familiar with?
6: Thinking off the top of my head quickly, the first really great father for us is St. Athanasius. Okay. Now, there are other ones before him, but he's really, like, the first, he, he's one of the, one of the premier. Then you come to St. Basil, the great, St. Gregory Nyssa, his brother, and St. Gregory Nazianzus, his mm. good friend. They're, uh, they and Saint Gregory, what to a certain degree, what what Augustine is for the East, uh, for the for the West. Saint Gregory Nanzianzes is for the East. However, we don't the East never put all their eggs really in really one basket. The West did. They really put mm-hmm. all their eggs in one basket, which was Augustine, for good or for ill. That's what. <clears throat> and then, uh, and, and then of course, there's Saint John Chrysostom. Later on, you'll get Saint uh, Saint Theodore the Studite, and Saint Gregory Palmas. Saint Gregory, what Saint Thomas Aquinas is in the 1200s, what he became for the Church. St. Gregory Palamas in the 1400s became for the Eastern Church. Hmm. Not, not a household name. I
0: mean, oh, no. uh, yeah. In fact, no. I don't know that I've ever heard of him. Of no. course. Most people have heard of Aquinas. So, uh, of interesting. Co- oh, of yeah. course, in
6: the Western Church. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For yes.
0: sure. Uh, Father Marcus Malik is my guest. And we are down to, uh, just about five or six minutes before the, the program ends. We're talking about the Dallas-Fort Worth Melkite Catholic Outreach. And I know our pastor at, uh, St. Mary the Virgin, you know, church, he, he will always, you know, make a very uh, emphasis that, you know, this is a Catholic church because some people will think, are you Catholic? Are you not? Do you have to battle that sometimes? And people are thinking, are you in union with the Pope? Or are you Catholic? Or uh, Obviously, this is the case, right?
6: All the time, because yeah. the Western world, especially in the United States, East, East, the whole Eastern Church is foreign to them, and usually we associate the Eastern Church with the Orthodox. Yeah. It's not true. There are Eastern Catholics, and we are just as Catholic as the Latin Church. And I say, since the Second Vatican Council... The Western Church has been trying to reestablish that among all the Church, that there's no one liturgy that is the Catholic liturgy. The Latin Church has a Catholic liturgy, Mm -hmm. and the Eastern Church has a Catholic liturgy, and they're both of equal value, and they're brother liturgies. And our theologies, we have a Western theology, we have an Eastern theology, and they're both of equal value. No one's better than the other one, which was the real battle before the 1960s. Yeah,
0: it doesn't uh, help also that we have Orthodox, the little O and the big O. Somebody will say, I'm an Orthodox yes. Catholic, and <laughs> they just mean they are they follow all the teachings of the Church, and they're like, you're an Orthodox, and so the language uh, sometimes has to be really uh, very, very specific. Uh, yeah, Diane had a question for you, Father. Go ahead, Diane.
2: For those that are not Catholic, and you mentioned the Eastern Rite and the Western Rite and their theological differences, what is the ultimate final teaching of the Catholic Church? And if someone is thinking about converting, why should they with all this confusion going on?
6: I have a little trouble hearing the very end of the question. Oh, uh, I think she's just talking about somebody
0: who's not Catholic and uh, you know, with uh, some of the confusion inside and outside of the church, what would you say to that person uh, of why you know they they should consider the Catholic Church, whether it be an Eastern Catholic or a Western Catholic? What's what's the? I, I think what she's getting at is the the um the the kind of um, the allure and the 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 truth and why this should be something that somebody should be Catholic. Well, pick your right, and you could go to the Melkites or the Roman or the Maronites, but why is it important to be Catholic?
6: It matters because the Catholic Church has retained the apostolic teachings most faithfully for 2,000 years. And while I say that respectfully to the Orthodox, who also retain— however, another key element is the communion of the bishops, and it's very important to be in communion with Rome. And so the Eastern Catholics, unlike the Orthodox, we are in communion with the Church of Rome. Yeah. Actually, uh, a rite
0: like yours with the Melchites, it actually— highlights even more the Catholicity of the Catholic Church in that there is there's unity even in diversity, right? And so there can be a lot of different rites and different uh, liturgies, but uh, at the end of the, the day, we're all Catholics, and That's, this, is, this yes. is just a different way of worshiping. So, uh, Father Malik, uh, let me just uh, close out. we got a couple minutes remaining. Just, if you could, just inv- give an invitation to our listeners to come out. I think you said this Friday there's going to be a social, and of course, uh, every Sunday at noon, uh, how where you are, maybe the website, an invitation from you. Yes, we,
6: we meet every Friday evening at 7 p.m. for Vespers, or evening prayer, and for fellowship. And on the second and fourth Fridays of the month, we have catechesis, or a teaching. And we're doing the basics right now about from an Eastern Catholic perspective. In fact, I think this, Sunday, this Friday morning we talk about icons and how to make your home, how to create a little prayer space in your home with icons and candles. So everyone's welcome. We meet at St. Basil's. Uh, in Irving, I don't know the address, but uh, we meet in St. Basil's, Saint Basil the Great in Irving, uh, Texas. Not We're like 12 minutes away from DFW, 10 minutes away from the University of Dallas. And on Sundays, we meet at noon. Actually, we begin the last part of morning prayer at 11.50, and then we have follow immediately by Divine Liturgy. And our welp, our webpage is Melkite—now nah, I'm on the spot. I'm on the spot here. Yeah. MelkiteCatholicDFW.org. MelkiteCatholicDFW.org. And uh, on there, you can also find my email address. You can find my phone number. If you have inquiries, please call. Everyone's welcome.
0: And is the goal one day to have your own physical... Uh, Man, I building? put one little plug
6: in there. Uh, so yes, yeah. I've already been talking to people. We've been so we've been going over a year now. People are giving, and we have mm-hmm. begun to in earnest to search for a place to call our own sacred, to make our own sacred place for worship. And if any I just want to put out there, if anyone has uh, any ideas where we could meet, uh, we're trying to look for something in the corridor, Irving up to the Farmers Branch around DFW, Capel, uh, Southlake. So if anyone knows, we are looking for. Even a commercial space of you know fifteen hundred to two thousand square feet, so we can start. Uh, we can call our own and begin to and continue to grow.
0: Yeah, and if somebody wants to just come out and check it out, obviously, just because you go to you go to the service one time on a on a Sunday it doesn't mean you know, you're, you're signing them up. They, they're, 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 if if they're just curious and they want to experience this liturgy, meet you and say, hey, I heard you on Catholic Radio. Uh, go ahead and go on out there once, and we
6: maybe. get visitors all the time. Yeah, all, and if you come, I just tell everybody. Don't worry. Just come. Don't worry about trying to follow the book. Let the liturgy carry you.
0: Yeah, very nice. Uh, I, I really appreciate this so much. Uh, Melkite DFW dot org. Again, they uh, have the um, the Vespers this Friday beginning at this it seven o'clock seven PM. Uh, seven o'clock seven p.m. and then also Divine Liturgy at twelve uh, noon every Sunday. And they are meeting at Saint Basil, Byzantine Catholic Parish, eleven eighteen East Union Bower Road, Irving, Texas, seven five zero six one. Very close to where we are right here at our studio. It's just a it's a, just a few miles away. Best thing to do is go to Melkite Catholic DFW dot org, Melkite DFW dot org. Just curious, do, are there any um where's the seminary for the Melkites or are there uh, young men who are, uh, you, you obviously, you know, you, you're gonna have to be replaced one day at your parish. Where do the where do the seminarians come from?
6: They, they go to different semin. We, we we use different ones. We don't have our own anymore. It okay. closed about 15 years ago. Okay. So we use uh, Saint Cyril Methodius. I believe it's in Pennsylvania. That, I don't know as much about it, but uh, we our, Yeah, our guys usually go to uh, other. The Ruthenians run a seminary. I think Saint Cyril Methodius is a yeah. Ruthenian one.
0: All right, Uh, very interesting. Well, Father, thank you so much. Can you provide a blessing over the radio for those who are listening right now?
6: Yes, may Almighty God bless each of the listeners and their families and the radio, the Catholic radio station named the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, David.
6: Thank you very much for letting me come on.
0: Yeah, thank you, Father. Father Marcus Malik, MelkiteCatholicDFW.org, M-E-L-K-I-T-E, org. .org. And uh, thanks so much. Uh, to Diane for coming in today. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next Monday for the next live show. God bless
1: you. Thanks for joining us for the Good News Show here on KATH 910 AM on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please join us next week at the same time for the next Good News Show.
2: Would you like to learn how you can strengthen your marriage? Sacred Heart Books and Gifts in Dallas is hosting a book signing with Christian counselor and author Dana Nygaard, author of 365 Dates to Renew Your Christian Marriage. The book signing takes place on Thursday, September 16th from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. at the store located on 7615 Campbell Road, Suite 112 in Dallas. For more information, call 972-250-2100 or visit sacredheartdallas.com.